You are tuning in to For Better Self and Net Worth Podcast. This is a podcast where I encourage you to live the life of your dreams by adopting the right mindset, navigating through tough challenges, and respecting your bank account. I interview entrepreneurs and empire builders from across the globe as they share how they have come to live the lives of their dreams and the challenges they had to break through. I also have a few solo episodes where I talk about the lessons learned and navigating in a world full of naysayers, negative mindsets, and money grabbers. I personally believe that attitude is everything, and with the right attitude, you can get the life that you dream of. I'm so glad you're on this journey with me. If you're listening, make sure you have hit the subscribe button, and on Apple, give me some love by leaving a review. Most of all, I hope every episode you hear on here leaves you inspired and on fire to live your best life without breaking the bank. Hi everyone, Ella here. Before I get into the recording of this show, I wanted to give you a little synopsis and just a preview of what you're getting ready to hear. So what you're going to pick up on first thing in this episode is that it was recorded over a month before it was released. I recorded a ton of stuff in January and February just because I wanted to stock up on some content to release to you guys, have something for you every week, ready to go. And the other thing too is it was originally going to be a part of a love series, but I went into a different direction, but you're going to hear some incredible content. We're going to talk about overcoming alcoholism, why we no longer drink or talk about, you know, just how things have shifted and changed this time. It's really good episode to listen to for dating or just reading people in your life in general. I just think you're really going to love it. You're going to have your mind open to something completely new when you hear this episode. I like to have a forum for anyone and everyone who wants to come on. So of course, this is a podcast for open-minded people. Something else I want to let you know is during the show, you are going to hear some notifications going off and it's because Sunshine is a very successful boss lady. She is in really high demand. She has got thousands of followers on her Facebook page. So you're going to hear notifications going off throughout the show. And there was no way to edit that out without me editing out our conversation. Anyways, hope you all enjoy. I know you will and have an amazing week. Have a great time listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to For Better Self and Net Worth. I have a real treat for you all today. This is right after the full moon and right before Valentine's Day. I have Sunshine, the pink-haired psychic medium with me, and she has a really cool story of how she came to be who she is. And yeah, Sunshine, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us where you're from and what you're about. Uh, Absolutely. My name is Sunshine, the pink-haired psychic medium, as Ella just shared with you. Uh, I, You know, if we say where I'm from, uh, Detroit, Michigan, right? I, that's where I'm. my home is. I'm born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, but I'm, I'm really from, uh, you know, gosh, I, lifetimes ago. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know. I'm gonna have to go look into my place of origin uh, and find out exactly where I'm from. Um, so my story and how I got mm-hmm. to where I'm doing. So uh, 
Elle and I, as we were chatting before, professionally speaking, I've been a psychic medium for three years, just over three years. And I think that's really where people love to hear kind of two pieces of my story, right? How, how did I find all of these lovely, beautiful gifts? And then how did I get into actually doing it professionally? And so my gifts, my entire life, I didn't know that, right? I didn't know as a child that I was being called the know-it-all and a bossy child and um, controlling because I was, you know, trying to tell everybody what to do. Cause that I- means you're a boss person. Yeah. Plus yeah. Anybody- yeah. So, cause I could see, you know, what needed to happen and how, like, I had no clue of any of that kind of stuff as a child. Um, I did not know when I was, you know, in my teen years that I was going to follow in my grandmother's footsteps. My grandmother did what she referred to as talk to the angels. She was a devout Catholic woman. Um, and after she passed, I picked up in her shoes. I found myself sitting with my family members and pulling circle together and seeing who we could come over from the other side, which is pretty crazy. Just did not like no clue. Right. And from that point forward, kind of just stumbled into the rest of my gifts through different books and people that I talked to and maybe uh, classes or seminars um, and really didn't, you know, didn't use it from a professional perspective. Right. Was not asking for people to you know give me anything so that I could do, you know, share my gifts with them. Um, but was reading for my friends and family members uh, and and all sorts of things like that for years, right? Probably from uh, my mid-teens all the way up until three years ago. And so three years ago, uh, it was actually my 40th birthday, so just over three years ago, October of 2019, before the pandemic. Libra? I'm very blessed. Yep, yep. I'm very blessed that I uh, did not that I've discovered this before the pandemic because goodness knows how that would have hand- <laughs> shaken itself out. Um, but that October in 2019, my 40th birthday, I found myself in Costa Rica making an absolute ridiculous, ridiculous um, version of myself out. I, I the, the things that I did, I hit my rock bottom. Mm-hmm. The things that I did had brought me so much shame. And the fact that I had at that point that year relapsed the third time, I finally admitted, you know, I couldn't just moderate, right? Some people can, I believe Ella, you've talked before about being able to just socially every now and again, enjoy it. I can't, I admit that I can't, I am, I am powerless over alcohol. And if I were to go ahead and pick up a drink and drink once it would slowly, I I've watched that I've witnessed it. And so, um, when I came back from Costa Rica, (laughs) I um, found myself in AA. And so um, a lot of times it's recommended when you step into a 12 step program that you do like 90 days, right? 90 meetings in 90 days. And so I did, I did 90 meetings in 90 days. That was an AA meeting every single day for three months. And when you do that, you're so ingrained in it and you start to really see and understand that it's a program around spirituality and finding a path in life where you accept that you're not really the one in control, right? You're not the one in the driver's seat. You're just the one here experiencing, living, and witnessing all of this, right? And so I was just over three months in, just out of that 90 days, and I sat and I asked myself, how do I step further into my spirituality? How do I like, 
it, I need to stay sober. I want to stay sober. How do I do that? All these other folks that I sat at these tables with, they had church, they had community centers. They had, you know, like, I'm going to go hang out. at the, like, And I was just like, that's not my cup of tea. You know, it's not my jam there. Um, so I fired up a Facebook page because I was still a little bit skeptical to let my whole, like, circle of personal folks know really like what I was right so I set up a, a Facebook page and I started once a week every Tuesday for an hour I would just go live and pull a card for anybody that showed up that was it that was how this all started that's how me not, and, and so shortly thereafter it was how do I schedule a reading with you how, and I'm like I don't know. I don't know. Let me figure that out. I'm like, Hold on. You know, um, Venmo me, cash me. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was, uh, that's how it all started. That's how I came into the gifts and professionally how I found myself unbelievably blessed starting what I have now come to strongly believe is my, my, my true purpose in life. It's funny how you found, not funny, but it's just amazing, really, how you found your true purpose in life. And then all of a sudden, the universe delivered for you. So I, I sat down with a astrologist a couple of months ago, and it was really beautiful. She pulled my natal chart, but she also said, when did your business start? So she pulled my business's natal chart. And I told her a very similar comment, right? Like never expected this. This was never, she looked at that business chart. She goes, you could have fooled me. She goes, because you picked like date and time, probably the most, the best well-aligned chart you ever could have started a business on. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And it's, you know, I used to be really skeptic about, because I think we're taught, you know, to, for intuition, for example, we all have it, mm-hmm. whether that escalates to being psychic or not, I don't know, but we all have intuition, but we're taught to question our intuition. And then I used to go around. I remember my first crush as a child, it was Zachary Hansen, the Van Hansen. And I saw that our signs were compatible I said, oh, I'm going to marry him because I'm an Aquarius and he's a Libra. They get along well together, right? And people are like, no, you should not read horoscopes. That's evil. That's bad. All of these things when all it really is, is looking at lunar cycles and how they can impact us. And if lunar cycles are impacting the river mm-hmm. and the ocean, mm-hmm. we're 80% water. Oh, yeah. It makes total sense. Yeah. I mean, we literally have like a gravitational pull within Earth that is keeping us from not just flying off of the planet. Right. I mean, there's yeah. other things but like they're like just 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 ending mm. up in like. So I love it when people, you know, they don't want to believe things only because there wasn't proof. There isn't proof. There isn't this like concrete proof. And and if you can't prove it, then it must be evil. But let's be real. Once upon a time, the church, the church, not just thought, 
but like dictated that the earth was flat. Like the church did, right? That the earth was flat. So like, really? I mean, could we not just have some open minds? Just be like, hmm, I don't know. Maybe that makes sense. That's a coincidence and very interesting that it is, right? And if you look at the Salem witch trials, my favorite, and that's something I've talked about this time before, it's my favorite moment in history to study. And I've always had a draw to it. I'm just like, why are they hanging these women? Were they actual witches? Were they actually doing magic? What were they doing? Why were they hanging them? All it was, was an anti-feminist movement. Mm-hmm. Women were finding ailments. Women were getting information. One of the first witches to be hung was a woman who preferred books over dating. Yeah. So- <laughs> I am not, I'm not a like incredible history buff, but I do have like, you know, my psychic gifts. I sometimes get these memories of things that I've read, uh, read pop in. And so one of them, you know, not the Salem witch trials, but back when they were actually started to burn and persecute witches over in England and things of that nature, it was the church that was at, that was doing it because what was happening um, is these witches were also the medicine women. They were the shamans. They were the folks that people were going to and asking for. And so that in itself meant that it, it, it degraded a, like the miracle of the church, Right. But it also um, gave other like questioning around like medicine and actual the practice of, you know, healing in that nature. So it was just um, women back then, even before the Salem witch trials, it was the it was the grandmothers and the mothers that had literally tended to the healing, the sickness, the fevers, like the like literal things that were killing people. And they knew the natural herbs that would help like like bring a fever down and they were they're seen as witches i mean rightfully so they were but you know come on like it, it'd be like walking into a major hospital right now and pulling all of the surgeons and saying because you know how to use anesthesia anesthesia and pain medication and so on and so forth right work yeah silly 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 yeah and honestly too i and, you know, I, I've been known to trigger people by talking about, I use a lot of essential oils for remedies, um, all about, you know, eating holistic, a lot of my beauty products I traded out because I found about, about the endocrine disruptors and some of the chemicals. I mean, dry shampoo has pretty much the same components as gasoline. I don't want to put that on my scalp, but I start using essential oils and finding natural herbal ways to feel better. And what happens? I trigger people who want to have all the answers to everything. Yeah. Yeah. I trigger people in Western medicine, or if, you know, I, I don't want to go too far into it. Cause I, I know if I say anything about that questions, Western medicine too much, I'll get censored. And I do believe in Western medicine. I do, but there is an element there of the U S healthcare system where they have a lot of power over people. You know what? That's interesting that you even, Yeah. I, um, two things that popped into my head, right? There's a reason they call it practicing medicine, right? There is still, you are still every, every human being is its own Mm -hmm. self, right? And so every medication can respond differently. Every treatment can respond differently, right? So it's practicing medicine. They are going to literally try to see and tweak. And if you've got a good doctor, good enough doctor, right? They're going to tweak and see, right? They're practicing, they're experimenting to find out how 
they can best serve you. They don't have a Ella, how to treat Ella and everything that possibly is wrong with Ella book. They don't have a sunshine and how to treat sunshine and like they don't. So they have to experiment. They practice medicine, right? And so it's the same way as if you were to go back to the witches and the, the shamans and the healers, they did the exact same thing, except they had hundreds and sometimes thousands of years of traditions mm. of this plant and this being mixed and this concoction and this helping to solve. And so to me, natural remedies are no different than really Western, you know, Eastern medicine versus Western medicine is really no different besides the approach and some of the be scientific belief that you had that you took to actually achieve it. Right. Western medicine says I have a lot of scientific theory and belief that I have applied and proved and I've used the scientific method to have hypothesis and so on and so forth. And I've recorded it all. And you can look at it. It's all been published. And Eastern medicine's like, I've been doing this for the last 5,000 years and it's worked on 95% of my folks. You cool with that? I'm going to give it a try. What's, yeah. And what's the risk? What's the difference, really? Yeah. Right. What's the, what, like, truly, what's the difference? So, yeah, it's, uh, I, yeah, I know people, it, people can definitely get uh, a little bit nervous and things of that nature when you go down that path. But I, this is me, right? It is up to every individual to choose what is right for them. Right? Yeah, it That's really it. is. And, as, mm. and, you know, as, as human beings, as long as we can respect that. We're good. We're all good. We can all get along. I mean, that's the reason why we can't all respect that. We don't all get along, but if we could, we would. We'd all get along. We would. I agree. And something we talked about off the air too was being able to read people, like pick up on people's energy. People call it vibes, intuition. You're probably reading on a whole different level, but dating. I know I have a hard time with dating because I can read someone's energy towards me. I know if they're pursuing me from a place of loneliness and wanting me to fill that void, or if they have, you know, different intentions, like I can dodge bullets really quickly. Yeah. And I think reading energy, you can't really explain it, but it makes dating so difficult for a lot of people out there. And I'm bringing that up because this is being recorded right before Valentine's day. Yeah. You know, it's, there's a couple of things that come into play, right? So like we talked, yeah, most people are going to have some intuition. Most people are going to be able to pick up on some vibes, whether or not they pay attention to them is another story. But if we want to operate under the assumption that, yeah, everyone can pick up some vibes, Here's the challenging thing, depending upon, and I don't, we didn't even really get into this piece, but we did get into some, so I'll, I'll you know, feel free to bring me back around to anything you want to talk about, but this is coming up. We, when you are trying to date, right? I mean, you're already trying to make like a whole ton of micro um, assessments, right? All sorts of things. And then you're going to pick that up. You're going to pick up their energetic. Right. You're going to pick up and you're going to potentially maybe read their mind. Right. But here's the crazy thing about this is like. A, when people date, they're usually not themselves. Like, let's be real. True. You put on your, your your best face or you put on your whatever that is. Right. And so. Even there. Right. Energetically speaking, you've got a cross wire. Right. 
because what they show up as, like, for example, back in the day before I started, uh, stopped drinking, I'd have met people at a bar when I started dating. Oh, let's go have a drink. Right. I can't stand places like that. I really can't like never have liked them, but I would have put on a face and an outfit and went in and, and done that thing. And so like that, you know, the dude on the other side, he's going to be, he's going to be, I'm not me. I'm not comfortable. I'm not in my right, like energetic vibe where I'm, I'm, I'm feeling cool. And so how is he going to pick up anything? So like dating and being able to pick up each other's energy is so hard and challenging in, in, in just that state. Then you add in the fact that, you know, as we were talking about, people have trauma. They have experiences that they're bringing to the table, right? They may even have something. I'll, I'll tell you something that I think hurts a lot of dating is people, and this is men and women. This is not just a man type of thing. Um, they struggle with vulnerability. Absolutely. And so you've got a date schedule. And you find out that great aunt Sue uh, is, is sick and in the hospital. They've actually just put her on hospice. They don't know. And so you walk in and, and you're like, I don't want to cancel this date. I, you know, I really like this guy. He's great. It's awesome. But do you tell him about great aunt Sue? Do you share how hurt and, 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 and how much pain that you're experiencing right then and there? No. People struggle to be vulnerable. So now you've got another messed up message in that energy, right? So dating is really hard because most folks aren't their true, their true selves match to their energetic. And so because that trying to decipher it, interpret it, understand it, right? Recognize like somebody might be lonely and, and sad and, and want you to feel it. And if they showed up and said, Ella, man, I'm lonely. I'm really looking for a partner. I want someone to hang out with every day. I want to talk on the phone. I want to say good morning to them. I want to tell them that they're beautiful. Would you be like, no, I'm not interested. You'd be like, thank you for telling me that. I might say, thank you for telling me that, but I need you to heal before you come in my realm. And that could be the case, but to your point, at least that's, at least you not, you're, you're not guessing. You're not wondering where that lonely feeling's coming from. And you actually could be like, once that happens, that lonely feeling may dissipate because their vulnerability allowed them to feel more peaceful. Their vulnerability may have allowed them a connection. So it might not have actually been loneliness that you felt, but lack of connection and experience of connecting to another human being. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it's just, yeah. So I dating is tough. And then you add on the fact that there are so many of us walking around in this world that are highly sensitive people that do have strong intuition. As you said, we're told to not trust it. Right. So when, so, so like, yeah, you're, it's like everybody's just kind of in the dating space in this hyper energetic, funky dysfunction hoping you'll stumble across someone that's letting down all of their guards is being completely truthful is ready to just be who they are don't they don't need a bunch of help and healing like you're just hoping you're going to find it hoping so yeah dating is tough dating is tough and speaking of you're talking about going to bars that you don't want to go to i noticed too 
once I quit drinking, I, I like the socialization. I do like exploring new places. I live in a really cool city, Nashville, where there's just so much to see and do here. But I cannot stand being around drunk people. And that's the tourist scene. I can't stand it. And I think when I had issues with drinking alcohol, there is this misconception I had that drinking made me more fun. I was a lot more fun to be around when I drank. And that needed to be, and it was like, that was my way of letting myself go and be myself. But realistically, it felt like a mask for me. And that I had to put on my, I had to put on a show for everybody else. And when we talk about vulnerability and showing up as our true authentic selves to me, and that's, I think everybody's different. Again, our bodies are all different, but I think alcohol is a mask for many. And when I'm in a crowd, I remember I went to a bar in the fall with a couple of my friends and one, they allowed smoking, which my allergies was like, what are you doing this to me? But I just remember feeling like everyone, yes, they're having a good time. They act like they're having a good time. But I was like reading into it and I'm like, no, these people are really sad. And this is a mask for them. These people are going through it. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, so there's alcohol, like, keep in mind, like, I, this is what I love. It's like, when you look at things and you see and you evaluate their use, right? To your point, gasoline. Are you going to put gasoline on your scalp? Right? You gasoline can put some cash shampoos. It, I know. It's literally like a toxic. Alcohol is also something that we pour over wounds to kill bacteria. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, so it's like, wow. You know, you kind of look at it and you're like, wow, wow. You know, like people are literally slowly, like legitimately, if you are a regular drinker, it's it's like, legitimately very slowly killing yourself like one tiny little drop at a time it, it, it just it is our bodies do not like to process alcohol it, they just don't right like go the science says they do not like to process alcohol um but yes as i have i agree i i told myself those same stories and what i realized is that the alcohol didn't make me funner or or more you know cool or anything of that it allowed me to be what I thought other people wanted me to be. Yes. That's all it did. That was my, that's my story. Yeah. So it's like, uh, I don't like hanging out in bars. I don't like hanging out in loud places. I don't like hanging out in groups more than five. I'm going to be real with you. I just don't. Energetically speaking, it doesn't suit me. But I spent a lot of time, effort, and energy throughout my youth, like when I was younger, trying to fit in. Right. Trying to I because I didn't know who I really was. Right. And so I was like, we go back to th- that whole dating piece again. Right. Like, how does anybody go out? Like, think about if all of these folks are wearing masks. Right. And going to the bar and like that dating in the bar is a big it's a big deal. Like that is huge. I can't even tell you when I when I started to date again sober, I've, I've, I've got a beautiful um, boyfriend now. Um, but when I first started to date again sober, uh, I can't tell you how hard that was with, uh, cause I, I didn't want to date anybody that drank. That was like a real hard, I, I like, I'm a, I love, I love, love, loved, loved getting drunk with my partner. Loved it. It was my favorite thing to do. 
favorite thing to do. Um, but I, I didn't. So I would come like guys would be like, oh, I'm not really that much of a drinker. Like I would start to watch like literally I could see through chat messages, phone conversations, or even if I did meet a dude and it, I could watch the mask, like just start to like surround him of the lies of like he wasn't. Oh, I don't drink that often. I don't drink that much. I don't you know, and it was just like. Oh my God. Right. Are you, are you, you don't realize that you have a problem. Like you don't realize you have a problem. You like, you don't realize that this is an issue. You don't realize that you're masking your, who you really are. Um, it, it, it was tough. Alcohol is, uh, it's a beautiful gift when it's, you know, that, you know, it's, it was created by not, wine and beer had, had its purpose, but it was created and it has its, it has its place right? But it's so easy to abuse and to not realize you're abusing it because it's so socially acceptable to do so, right? So yeah, you know, you you add in, like, as I said, being a highly sensitive person, being very intuitive, and then having to deal with the alcoholism that exists within the dating scene. Oh my God. So, you know, it's like, why do people choose to remain single? That's it right there. It. Exactly. Cause you've got to, when you're on a self-love journey and when you want to heal and really have that connection, it's, it's hard to find if everyone is walking around wearing a mask. And mm-hmm. I also, you know, realized that, you know, never really, I didn't go through AA or anything, but when I realized I had a problem was I found myself at 30 going to therapy and my therapist asked me why all the guys, there was three guys that I bought up. She said, why are you attracted to alcoholics? And I was blown away by that. She said, was anybody in your family an alcoholic? And I was like, not, not during my lifetime or not that I can think of. I didn't grow up in a household where anyone abused alcohol, but why, why was that a pattern for me? dated a guy for five years where that was what he was known for was getting mm-hmm. wasted. Mm-hmm. And I look back and I was like, okay, why, why was I attracted to that? And it's like living in a party town, but I found myself on my birthday one year crying on the floor in a restaurant over somebody that didn't love me back. And I thought, why did I let myself get to this point? And it was, it was a tough year. Like 2015 was one of the toughest years of my life where, you know, I faced getting laid off of a job and I had to take a job that I didn't want to get to a job that I did want. And, you know, I was struggling financially. I had to work, pick up a second job to pay my bills And it just, you know, put on my head a lot. And then I found myself drinking more. And I I just realized it was like 2016. And I'm like, why am I letting myself get to this point? Why am I doing this to my body? Why am I doing this to myself? This isn't helping me at all. Yeah. Uh, That's fascinating that it was around 30. So when we're, when we hit around 28 to 30 years old, we actually hit what's referred to as our first Saturn return through our astrology chart. 
which is a big deal in life. It's basically Saturn is like the he's a it, he's kind of the ruler over like karma. And so at that 30, he's basically comes up to you and he says, did you learn what you needed to in order to be an adult and move to the next point in life? And if if so, cool, pass, go and, you know, enjoy it. Enjoy learning what you needed to. If not, get ready because the next 10 years are going to be a shit show for you. I'm going to teach you why you should have learned. Yeah. So you, you were the first path. I was the second. (laughs) 30s can be challenging for people, especially millennials, because we're hit with so many things that we can't control. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Then you you even look at the last like 10 years. I mean, uh, God, yeah. So many things, so many things that we've not been able to control. It's yeah. I mean, frankly, I don't believe I can control anything in life, but my, uh, I guess I can control maybe when I go to bed and when I get up, that's about it. Most of the time I can control when I get up. Well, speaking of control, we talked about the church earlier. You grew up Roman Catholic and your grandmother did, and she would call it talking to the angels, which Hmm. I think every deeply spiritual person, whether they're Christian or whatever, they believe that there is forms other forms of life looking after them that are not in the 3d yeah yeah not in the dimension i i think you know it's not obviously you could run into a very very strong atheist right that believes all that we have is this physical body and that's it and there's nothing else like you could but no i do believe the majority of folks it's very mm. rare that i've ever um in my life even even the one person that's coming to mind that I know that's uh, that I know identified as an atheist has changed as he had kids. Yeah, yeah, that's a miracle in itself. Yeah, um, he started to like not that he's like has some other belief, but he's like he doesn't argue it as hard anymore. That's how that's how I know it's changed. It's because he'll just dismiss it, right? Um, so I think maybe his uh, you know uh, wife and everything might have something to do with it too, but. Yeah, it's, I believe every individual, the majority of individuals around have a belief that there is something outside of ourselves, right? Now, what we believe that outside of ourselves is, you know, is it a God? Is it, a, you know, a deity? Is it an angel? Is it an alien? Is there are some folks that believe they're aliens? I hope there are. I, well, I know there are. I've seen them. I would love to see an alien. I've seen two of them and they blow my mind. Like both times I I was completely floored, completely floored. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, you know, we, I I believe majority of us absolutely do, that there's something outside of us. And I, you know, we, it goes back to that whole point you were calling on is the, the control piece. Right. And there are, certain folks that will try to control those beings right um but for me all i ever ask of them is actually to take over control i literally in my one of my my morning prayers Mm -hmm. says you know please surround Mm -hmm. me guide me protect me take me down the path in life that leads me to more peace love happiness hope joy and prosperity me prosperity allow me to remain in the passenger seat 
let go of control and just enjoy life. I just that's what thought, I, I just thought of Jesus take the wheel. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. exactly it. That's what we say in the South. Jesus take the wheel. Yep. Go ahead. I don't like, I don't, I'm just a human. I'm just a little like human hanging out in this world. I don't know anything compared to like the beings or the entities or the spirits that would have been around for hundreds, thousands, thousands and thousands upon years can see everything, hear everything. I am like, my ego is nothing. Like I am nothing compared to like all of those folks that have so much more knowing and so much more vision. And so, yeah, I mean, I lucky, I'm lucky as a psychic medium, I have a connection, right. But I will never ever uh, try to control my life. Like I, I, I used to in the past. It's, it's so much more fun when you don't. Yeah. It's more kind of see how things play out. And I think that's something that we all as humans, one of the biggest areas that we have is control. Now, obviously I like to have control over some things. I like to be the reason I like to be sober is because I like to have control over my actions and my words and what I say and do just, I like to have some control over myself. I like being able to drive myself somewhere if I need to go somewhere. Yeah. I, so being autonomous, right. Or, you know, being independent to me is, is a, a little bit different. Yeah, there are. I mean, I enjoy being able to control when I go to bed. I, I admit that. And when I wake up, that's about the extent of it. But like, it's funny. You're like, you know what I like all of my senses, my actions and what I say. And I'm like, oh shit, I do not have that. <laughs> it's like, because as a psychic medium, I'm like, there are times I'm told I have to say things. I'm like, I don't want to say this. Why are you making me say this? Right? Like, okay. Um, and, uh, or, you know, I will find sometimes that I'm like drawn and to have to do things, right? That's the level of like, when, when I say giving up control, if they're like, you need to go to the store right now, I'll be like, I don't know why. And they're like, you'll find out when you get there. And I'm like, okay, that's the level of give up control. Wow. But you're being guided and. Oh my God. Yeah. There's a good reason why that's happening to you. It's like when my intuition tells me to do something or to listen to something, turn on something, or my intuition used to tell me all the time, stay off of Facebook. You don't need to be on Facebook. What do I do? I scroll on Facebook and I see something that depresses me, or I get caught up in other people's business, which is not productive for me at all. Oh, I got off of social media last year. Good for you. Completely. Um, so I have all of it the business has it, but I don't hang out on it anymore. I don't go on it. I like my, you know, my team handles, manages all of it. I don't, I don't touch it. And, you know, it was, it was a really big deal. Like I, I had a lot of people like kind of, I had a, a few folks almost kind of like try to drag me through the coals because of it and type stuff. And um, it was just, I, I had already put a lot of restriction on it right? Groomed my feeds, all that kind of stuff so that I wasn't getting things that were like, but it was still, um, I don't, I don't, I don't even know, but I'll put it to you this way. I, I, um, I said this to somebody, forgive me if anybody's listening and this causes you any issues, but I was like, if I were evil incarnate on this earth, I would create a social media platform. Like, mm, I don't know, TikTok that completely numbed every single person, but made them think as though they were completely being entertained and like finding new information out 
and all, all this kind of stuff. And I would just sit there and laugh as I made thousands and millions and billions of dollars. That's the level of energetic that I feel with those platforms. It's so interesting that you say that. Have you seen the stats with TikTok in China versus TikTok in the US? I I I have not seen them specifically, but I've heard about them because people have shared them with me. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I've told them, I'm like, I do not, so that I, my team's been like, you sure you don't want to get on TikTok? You sure? I'm like, no. I was like, so I finally told my my assistant, I said, if you want to do it, go ahead. I said, you need stuff for it. Tell me what you need. I said, I don't ever want it. I don't know on my phone. I don't want to know how to use it. I'm like, I don't really care. And um, I, I, I really don't. And so um, they kind of laugh about it, but they are the ones that have shared. And I, I've explained to them, as partially as a psychic medium, I don't see its viability here in the U.S. In the, in the way that it is, right? And I, I am also not a fan of how so many marketing strategists focus on social media as advertising and marketing channels with not a full robust marketing strategy, because you are literally, when you are stepping into social media as a marketing channel and and you are like rolling the dice to bet that that's going to take you somewhere, you are literally at the 100% mercy of the algorithm demon. You are. Yeah, they know. So my Facebook doesn't have a lot of engagement. And I got in my head about it a little bit. I'm like, oh, people just not care about my business anymore. Like what's going on? But one of my friends who owns a business, she's like, no, Facebook knows when you're trying to promote something. She says, a lot of your posts are about your podcast. You're promoting your podcast. So Facebook is hiding you. Yep. Because they want you to pay for it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I spend advertising dollars. I'll spend, you want to know why? Because I can tie it back to its, I can tie its investment back to its results. I can't tie 25 swipes on my phone back and, and likes and engagements and comments on somebody else's posts to how many dollars that I make out of that. I can't directly tie these Facebook like non-paid for posts into like exact dollars being translated. It's too hard especially when they start. So I, I'm like, I'll spend $500, $1,000, five grand in any type of advertising channel that I can accurately track my return on investment. Social media, you can't do that. Right. So yeah, because once you're kind of in that zone where you're creating, trying to do something for free, you end up doing more work than it's worth. Mm-hmm. You end up doing all the work and for any of your 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 friends that have a business that are listening to this, any of your fans, yeah, go ahead. Keep track of how much time you spend doing that. And then look at your billable hourly rate and figure out whether or not it's worth it, right? You know, if you're billing out $500 an hour and you're spending 10 hours every week on social media to try to get folks to pay you $500 an hour, that means you're actually spending five grand of your own time every week. Could you maybe find someone to spend $1,000 on? $500 to do that work for you? It's just, yeah, it's, um, 
people don't think of it in that way. They think of it as free because they don't normally have to shell out a dollar on it. But time is the only thing in life we cannot make more of yet. I mean, not yet. <laughs> yeah, that's so true because money will always come back to you. But when you're putting loads of time into something and loads of work into it, and you're not seeing your return on investment, I don't know that there's anything more frustrating than that. Mm. I, I learned something back in my 20s um, that I've followed pretty much to this day. If I can pay someone less than my hourly rate, pay them to do it. Yeah, pay them to do that. If you can pay someone less than your hourly rate, pay them to do it. I love yeah. it. So for I, I pay someone to cut my lawn. It would take me an hour and a half to probably go out, pull everything out, cut, clean, all of that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So my 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 hourly rate right now is $225 an hour. So it in my cost would be around $300 to cut my lawn every week. That's good. I, I pay someone $30 every week to cut my lawn. Oh, that's wonderful. That's a deal. I, I pay someone once a month to clean my house because I love a clean house. But when I'm working from home, I have to sit in front of the laptop all day and work, or I'm working on this podcast, or I'm building some of my passion projects, my portfolio, or I just want to watch TV when I'm at my house. So, well, I still do some like cleaning in between that or do some dusting or whatever. It's not worth the battle to clean my own house. No, I, just, I, have a, I have a housekeeper that comes twice, twice a month for that nice. exact reason. Yeah. 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 I, I, I just, I, once again, mm -hmm. it's that whole, it's that math thing. If I can pay someone else to do something that's going to take my time, like if I would do the same thing, like I'm not going to pay somebody to fix my toilet. Right. I don't Yes. I could do it. I could go learn how to do it. And then, but yeah. So no, I, that's, that's a, something I, I decided and learned a long time ago and it's, uh, people often ask me, how am I able to accomplish so much? And that my answer is always because I'm a stellar delegator. You're good at seeing people, what they're good at, having them do the task for you or finding someone yeah. Yeah. Or finding someone to do something that I know is not worth my time. And you have been a boss. We talked about this, this boss lady energy. I hate using the word boss lady because women being bosses should not be so uncommon that we use the term boss lady, but I digress. You've been a boss since you were a little girl. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't think you were 17 when you realized you had your gift. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, gosh, I mean, I have, a, I have a very distinctive memory of a, a friend by the name of Robin when we were probably about 11 years old, 10, 11 years old. And I remember asking her to come over and um, she told me no. And I said, why not? And she said, because you're too controlling and you always try to tell me what to do. <laughs> and I was like, I was so shocked, right? You know, I never had anybody put it like right in my face like that before. Uh, but yeah, that was a true, that was a true statement. Like in school, I would lead projects and Girl Scouts. I would lead like, you know, things that we were doing. I just always went, and I'd even worked. I think by the time I was 10 years old, I was starting to try to find ways to make money for myself. Yeah. So always, 
always, always have had that, that boss lady energy. Yeah. Now you're billing two twenty five an hour. I feel like most corporate America pundits or, you know what I mean? Most people working nine to five jobs don't even make that in a day. No, no. And I still work a corporate job. I do still work a corporate job. I'm, I'm very blessed. I managed to find somehow or another, mm-hmm. find my way through the path of, uh, I, I work a reduced hours. Um, I work three days a week, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays still for a corporate job and, um, full benefits. Yeah. I still make wonderful money. Yeah. Make wonderful, but yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it's interesting because a lot of people have asked, you know, like, why did I start my own business? Why did I do that? Now, you know, you even said that you've got a lot of friends that are entrepreneurs and why do people do that? And I think there's two reasons. One, people have a passion for it, right? They find a passion. They're like, I don't want to do X anymore. I want to do this thing I'm passionate about because it fires me up. But let's be real. We live in America and part of the American dream is being able to make as much money as you can and good luck trying to fulfill that working for someone else. Because if I am working for someone else, I may get, I may be the CEO of a company, right? The CEO of the company. Let's say, you know, I am now the CEO of, I don't know, Walt Disney. That's what pops to my mind. And I'm being paid, I don't know, $15 million a year. Guess what? Guess how much I make a year? Guess how much I could make a year? $15 million. That's, I'm limited by what the organization wants to pay me. I mean, granted at that type, you can actually use that money, make a lot more, all that kind of great stuff, but you're still always limited. Not everyone's going to be a CEO. So maybe you get up, you're an SVP, right? You're in the executive team. That's probably more likely for lots of folks that are going to climb. They're not going to hit that CEO of Ford or Disney or anything of that nature, right? So you're still, most of those folks are going to be capped at, at, at half a million. Doctors are still only making three quarters of a million. It's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. But if you want to make a big impact and a big change in this world, that's going to limit you. That's what I want to do. I want to make a big impact in this world. I want to impact a lot of people's lives. I want to do a lot of healing. I want to wake a lot of people up. And that's takes- why you're the perfect guest for the show. And it, take- and it takes money to do that. It does. do that. So uh, I feel very blessed that I'm actually able to, you know, indirectly employ multiple people around my house to help take care of my house, including shop for my groceries, uh, cut my lawn, shovel my snow, uh, do my um, housekeeping. Uh, What else do I pay folks to? I I mean, I do have a handyman that does stuff for me, right? Um, And on my business side, I've got seven people that work with me as well. And so, you know, I look forward to being able to continue to grow the business, not just so that I can help all of these other individuals that come to me for my services, but because I can ensure that these folks that are working for me and are working with me are taken care of, are loved, are shown compassion and kindness, are treated like humans, are given respect, right? So, yeah. That's, that's, that's why I started this business. I have a passion for it because I want to make a, a difference in this world. And, you know, I'd love to say that you could do it without money and it's possible, but doing it with money gives you a bigger reach. Money gives you power. If you want to make a change, you have to make money because think about our lawmakers. Mm-hmm. They're motivated by money. Yep. 
people, sure. I say people, corporations are paying the money to legislate a certain way. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's just how it is in the United States right now. Uh, and, politics. Yeah, I know. I know. I, but I remember reading uh, Jensen Charo's You Are a Badass. It's a book that I recommend to everybody. It's part of the reason I have my podcast. And she said, if you really want to make a difference in the world, the most whatever I forget what word she used for it. The most ostentatious thing you can do is make money because people with money have the power to do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. You want to make the world a better place. You need to make money. If you're a good person that wants to help others, you need to have money to do that. Yeah. And there, there is a handful of us, you know, like in the, like, kind of the spiritual witchy kind of community that have this mentality of like, especially as women, that we are really focused on bringing in more wealth for ourselves to do just that. Like we have to take out, take some of that cash from the folks that don't care, that only want to stockpile it, right? That they just, they just want to like have a number next to their name that shows their net worth as being like eight digits, right? They're not doing anything with it. They're not trying to change the world with it, right? And so trying to take more of that so that we can make a difference. We can help more people. So yeah, it's um it's a beautiful thing. Money, uh, you know, people often say that they don't like it, um, or that it bothers them or like they fight about it. But energetically speaking, it's it's a uh it opens the doors. It opens the doors for you and it can be your best friend if you let it. Yes, it can. Now tell everyone how they can work with you, learn from you. Yeah. With you. Well, as we said at the beginning, my name is Sunshine, the pink haired psychic medium. You can always visit sunshinereadings.com and see what I've got going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can work with me one-on-one. So you can always schedule a session with me one-on-one. I do have a membership program uh, that right now the cart is open. And I think even if you were to publish this pretty soon, it might still be, I, I'll have to check when, when it closes. Um, but if you want to work on your own psychic gifts and step into your own magical power, I do mm-hmm. that as well. That is also a really um, lovely thing that I love doing. So the best place is to find me on the website. If you always want to email me, sunshine at sunshinereadings.com. I sit on the other side of that one and I'm happy to answer as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your wisdom with us and your story. I know it will inspire many and you've been able to talk about business from a per- business love, pretty much we covered so much, but from a perspective that most people aren't familiar with. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Ella. Of course, my pleasure. You are listening to For Better Self and Net Worth. In this community, we think you'll find your self-worth comes before your net worth and everything else. We also think you were designed to go after the life you want by ditching societal norms, knowing exactly who you are as an individual and going after your unique purpose here on this earth. Every week, Ella interviews an entrepreneur that designed the life they wanted among the challenges, naysayers, and leaving outside their comfort zone. Or you're going to hear straight from Ella, where she talks about the important lessons she's learned in life and how she's achieved the overall happiness she has. 
This is Ella, the host for Better Self and Net Worth. Based out of Nashville, Tennessee, she makes every single day an adventure. You'll always find her right here behind the microphone, sharing all her thoughts with all of you. And we appreciate you listening and hope you enjoy this episode. <laughs>